Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Pete Robertson. Hello, hello, hello. So good to be here. Barry Rice is here today. What's up? The entire Riot crew is on the podcast today. I am so excited. Man, this is like old times. I love it. Barry, we miss you. Hey, it's so good to be back, man. I tell you, I wish I could be here, and uh, I miss I miss the people that are listening to us and their comments, and and uh, I miss hanging out with you guys. You guys are some of the greatest people I know on earth. <laughs> oh shucks, <laughs> I like that. Oh shucks, you like that? Yeah, we feel the same. We thing miss about you, you too. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Just this morning, we're doing the doing the show prep and just hanging out and talking and. Talk, man, that's really how this whole thing started, right, Pete? I well, mean, it was I, I three lo- guys sitting in the living room talking about Jesus and life. And- I love how our conversations go. Like one of the comments I said was, I love the way that Barry's brain thinks. It's just all of a sudden he'll have something, he'll see something, and then we'll go. But we don't go to like the surface level, whatever. We like dig deep. We want to find out. We want to learn. We want to grow. Hey, Pete, that's an original statement. No one has ever said they like the way my brain works. <laughs> it's true. It's true. No. It was awesome. It was a great conversation. It was a, a great lot of, A lot of people said they liked the way I open up holes and tear down and knock down stuff, but nobody ever said anything about my brain. You love me because my brain, Pete. I, I love it. <laughs> You know that's the that's the world though. Our world's always trying to pick us apart. Always. But they don't, we don't see sometimes the value in everything. So that's uh, yeah. I see I see a lot of value. I in thought Barry's offensive brain. linemen were smart guys. He is a smart guy, see? especially the center. But they gotta be. But the the other guys, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you gotta you gotta keep the quarterback in line. Without him, he doesn't even get the ball. Were you center? I did a little bit oh. of it, but mainly left guard. Left guard. Yeah, that's right. So what else, Bob? Had amazing uh, gathering this weekend of men. You men's, did men's breakfast, and it, we were missing our uh, our, our chef, chef extraordinaire. Yeah, and the, you guys filled in. Riot and podcast did it amazing. filled in. It was that's true. I didn't yeah. even think about it that way. Yeah, it was breakfast with the Riot podcast. That's what on we did. Saturday. We cooked. Oh, that's good. So next month, you guys we should got pictures all come. to prove it. Yeah, that's we right. do. That's too funny. And, and you know good. what? At this point, the people that went to the hospital, they're all okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went around afterwards and asked, how's the taste? How's the food? And we got raving reviews, so we did good. Pete, they didn't die of food poisoning. They died with food poisoning. (laughs) Jeremiah would be proud of us if he ever listened to the Riot Podcast. Oh, man. We'll have to ask him. Well, we'll know because we're talking about him. We'll know. If he doesn't bring it up, we know he didn't listen. Oh, I've asked him many times. Oh, I listened a little bit, but he hasn't really. Well, this was in the first five minutes of the show, so he should catch this one. We should just tell him, hey, listen to the first five minutes of the show. We talked about you. Hey, executive producer, what is this? Episode 84, 85? Where are we at? Question we mark. We don't know. I'm going to go with 84. I think I think yeah. it's 84. Hey, we got to do something really big for number 100. I was thinking Well, the same we're thing. thinking that too. Yeah, we got to do it at uh, Grills over in uh, Merritt Island. That, the only problem Ooh, is Pete's going to be in India when, oh, really? you know, during our 100th episode. <laughs> I don't know. We're just, I mean, for sure, Africa. India is still up in the Africa. Oh, it might be in Africa. Yeah. I like your girl's well, idea, we though. we could do it there. We could yeah. do it there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. 
Oh, I would love it if we went away all together and did something. Casablanca. We are going to do. Is we're going to do Aruba. We're going to do a show in Aruba. So once we get that, that's you going to meet fun. us there. Hey, uh, if any listeners out there want to sponsor me to go to <laughs> Aruba uh, for the Riot Podcast, I would really appreciate that. Oh, uh, that would be amazing. Yeah. That would be so fun. Wait, wait, 84. 84. Look at that. Good guess. Good guess. Good guess is right. Yeah, hundreds right around. I hey. want to know where she got that Apple water bottle. My goodness, that is really nice. Yeah. And then it has Real Talk Christian Podcast on it. Wow. Very doing nice. doing we, for advertising we for just, other podcasts. Yeah. yeah that's guys, awesome. You want another podcast? Go to Christian Podcast Real Talk. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So back to Aruba. Yeah, Aruba. You can make that happen, but you just need to get someone to preach two Sundays. You'd miss two Sundays. I could just come back a day early. I can make the <laughs> You yeah, that's true. You drive fast enough. Or get Jeremiah to drive you. That's right. Speaking of that's, Jeremiah. That's, that's right. what you would True do. Right Jeremiah would pick you up. <laughs> well, he flies now. He can just pick me up in a plane. Oh, he flies, whether he's in the Lincoln or in the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> By the seat of his pants. Oh, that's my the truth. Goodness. If there's any law enforcement listening. Hey, yeah, let's we're, put we're up a picture of Jeremiah so people know what we're talking about. <laughs> we love Chef Jeremiah. He's a North Carolina boy. Yes, he is. Good stuff. What else is going on? Uh, I forget. We were going to say something. I forgot. Hockey. Yeah. What about hockey? Right. We watch Go hockey. Bolts. Yeah, we're liking Tampa. I mean, you know, if you're a if you're a, uh, a Tampa Bay Lightning or Tampa Bay Lightning fan, yeah. why don't you let us know on our Facebook page? That would be awesome. Oh, that's what I was going to think of. I knew it. So there it is. All right, but we need ideas for our hundredth episode. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So. Yes. So if anybody's out there and they're listening, we should probably say this from 84 to 100 every single episode. Every yeah. Because it's coming up. Like we It's need going to be in October sometime. Somebody give us ideas. What can we do for 100 episodes? That's a great yeah. idea. That's not too expensive, unless you want to sponsor it. If you want to sponsor it, then <laughs> we're, 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 we're giving away a free ride podcast tattoo. <laughs> yeah, right. Wait, how much do tattoos cost? Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I got a guy. I've got a guy. Got a guy? Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do the logo. Oh, Riot Podcast logo. Oh my gosh. You guys should get the Riot Podcast tattoo first before you make somebody else get it. I want to oh. get the stickers though. You don't have it? I don't. I have no tattoos. You see the little the the little men, the Riot Podcast? I want to make a sticker out of that. Yeah. Yeah. That look cool, cool, right? With our little guys. What happened to the bobbleheads? Oh, we need to get those. They're expensive. What? No, it wasn't that much. It was, but it was up there. But oh, we should do that because we already have them design, 300, des- developed. Three hundred bucks. You could get a tank of gas for that. You know, I would do. I would put the. I would put the bobblehead on my desk. Anybody want to sponsor us for bobbleheads and we'll go get them? Or you, would, you, you, you can buy the bobbleheads and we'll send you the artwork. Huh? That would be weird if you had your own bobblehead on your desk. If it That's was just, three of us. I don't know. That sounds like self worship or something. I don't like that. Well, if he's looking away at the person that you're meeting with. It's not self worship. I would be Turn playing around, with my yeah. I would be playing with my head and making it bubble. It's therapy. Oh, therapy. I think you have issues. I do. It better have good hair. Do we do we have enough time to talk about them? Isn't I really do have let's issues. Let's be honest, folks. That's the real reason we do this show is therapy for Pete. It's the, well part of the truth. I'm I'm okay to con- submit. I mean, confess. I have issues. Uh, I need we all help. have issues. I need prayer. Amen. Lots of it. Amen. So we're gonna do a show today. Yeah, let's let's do it. Why don't you open us up and pray in prayer first? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Let me take a deep breath. <laughs> let's get into that mindset. All right. 
Uh, Lord, we are just uh, so thankful that we get to laugh and have fun and, and enjoy each other. And God, we get to share that with everybody that's listening to us, Lord. And I know if they're listening, they think we're crazy. But Lord, we love you. We're crazy about you. And that's the truth. And that's the reason why we are coming here. And yes, Lord. And so we just pray, God, that you would just direct uh, this show, that you would pierce our hearts and that you would change us from the inside out. And God, that you would open our eyes to your truth in a, in a newer, fresher way. Lord, help us to see you in, in, in who you are. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about your character today. We're talking about uh, how you respond and how you handle certain circumstances in crisis. And so, Lord, we just pray that we can reflect you, that we can learn to, to adjust our lives and to, to be molded and shaped by you so that we can, too, uh, do as what you have taught us to do. And so, Lord, we give you praise now. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you this show. Pierce our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All Amen. right. Well, you have to help me with part of this opening statement today, Pete, because well, you threw in words in here that um, I'm not sure they're even English. Well, we're going to be John. We're going to be John seven, last part of fifty three. Then we're just really going to dive into eight verses, chapter eight, verses one through eleven. So ESV is what we're going to be talking about. It's an amazing story. Yeah, and we're going to talk in the ESV. But let's go ahead and just give it context and background. And so, why don't you talk about chapter seven first, right. and then we'll get into what we talked about. Yeah, we just talked about John 7 last week, and uh, we talked about how Jesus went directly into the lion's den, so to speak. He wasn't went, scared. He, won't, he <laughs> yeah. wasn't scared. No, he was not. And when he went to Jerusalem and he was confronted by the people, um, he told them over and over again that he was sent by the Father to save the world. When you just said that, the lion's den, though, it made me think of Daniel in the lion's den, and yeah. how Jesus was there and he saved them from the roaring lions. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, they literally were roaring lions. These guys were out for blood. Well, not literally, figuratively, well, you roaring know what, lions. Yeah, you're right. But, yeah, you get what but I'm they, saying. But they actually got blood. I mean, they, the cross, eventually. Right? I mean, oh, that's true. They tore him apart. But in the they, midst of that, he had peace. That was kind of the point. So John 7 was all about, man, attack after attack after attack, and he still had peace. All that's right, good. Go that's yeah, good. secure in who he was in the Father. Absolutely. In verse 16, he said, My teaching isn't mine, but it is from the one who sent me. If anyone wants to do his will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own. No matter how dangerous the situation was, we learned that Jesus, savage Jesus, yep. always pointed people back to the Father. That's the answer. There you go. In our reading today, we're going to read John seven fifty three through 8, 11. 1 through 11. Um, that'll kind of give us some context. Yep. Our reading today will be about the woman that was taken in the act of adultery and brought to Jesus. What we need to know is this part of scripture is missing in, in some of the early manuscripts, like the Papyrus 66, and, and Pete's going to explain this to you, so yeah. hang, hang on. Papyrus 75, Codex. Sinaticus. Um, yeah, and Codex. Vaticanatus. So Vaticanatus. from the Vatican? Yeah. I like how they did that. Yep. From the 3rd and 4th <clears throat> centuries. These verses, Is that what they smoke at the Vatican? Vatican? <laughs> There's something know. going on. Side right. note. <laughs> These verses go unmentioned oh, by no men. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on that. Sorry. <laughs> I've never been to the Vatican, so I don't know. Pete has. These verses go unmentioned by many Greek church fathers until the 12th century. There is indeed a wide scholarly consensus that the story was not originally part of the Gospel of John. So but, we're, what we're saying is John 8, 1 through 11 yeah. was originally not a part of the Gospel of John. That's what we're that's what we're giving context to. Right. All right, go on. But on the other hand, it may well go back to a very early tradition about Jesus and a woman accused of many sins, which gradually found its way into the book of John. 
The earliest reference is such a uh, the earliest reference to such Diodescalia a story. Is, <laughs> he knew I wasn't going to be able to say that. <laughs> a third century book of instructions on living a Christian life. How many of you have read that book? Raise your hand. No. The earliest manuscript evidence for the passage in John is the Greek Latin Codex Bizet uh-huh. in um, 400 AD, yep. which contains a story in its traditional place, both in Greek and Latin, on facing pages. Okay, so, so just what does that mean, real quick, we just gave a, a brief overview. The reason why we gave all these big name things and whatever is because we want to give context, proper context, to why we feel John 8, 1 through 11 should be in there. So we just basically said there's a lot of the early manuscripts don't have it. Okay, and so we're building now to why how we got to where we're at today. So we that's the first part. I'll go into that more in detail here in a little bit. So let's go. Let's read on, and then we're going to kind of prove why we're so, doing what we're doing. Before we even read, yeah. Pete, so if you take if you if you're driving, don't do this. But if you're listening, we're somewhere where you can open up your Bible. Open up your your Bible, and you'll probably see right at the end of John seven, you'll see some brackets, right, or at the start. So at John seven fifty three. You'll see some brackets, and then you'll see close of brackets right behind it, right at John in yeah. John eight eleven. Yeah. So this is the section we're talking about, and so that's why we're giving you so much. Yeah, the brackets would it. probably say the earliest manuscripts do not include seven fifty three through eight eleven. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So if this is all true, why is it in the Bible? Because evidence has been found that Jerome and Augustine. Now Jerome, I, I was wrong. I thought this was one of the Jackson Five. No. Pete, Pete cleared that up earlier for yeah. me. Yeah. Because evidence is found that Jerome and Augustine were familiar with the John story, both acknowledged that it was not in every copy. When Jerome cited the passage in an argument against the Pelagians, yep. he mentioned that he found it in many copies of the Gospel of John, and therefore not in all of them. When he completed his new Latin translation of the Gospels as part of the Vulgate several decades earlier, he had chosen to include the story in John. In doing so, he guaranteed its abiding presence in the Latin Christian tradition. John Calvin said, since the passage contains nothing unworthy of apostolic spirit, uh, did I say yep. that right? Yep. Um, there is no reason why we should refuse to apply it to our advantage. Okay, so let me just break it down real quick, and break then down, we'll please. discuss it. So, papyrus means the papyrus paper. Everybody knows that. So, we, are some of our earliest manuscripts that we had were written down on papyrus paper, so we still have some of those. So, papyrus 66 and papyrus 75 are some of the most earliest that we have. Whenever it says codex, that means it's, it was written on vellum, and that came in the 3rd, 4th century, where they started writing, instead of papyrus paper, they would start writing on the vellum kind of paper that we see today. So the Codex Sinaiticus, that is in uh, that today was um, it was found in a by a monastery right outside of Israel, and that is stationed in London. And so at the London Museum, you can see this manuscript that's there. Um, and then the Codex Vaticanus is at the it's at the Vatican Museum, um, and those were some of the earliest transcripts. So what happened was Jerome did not have the Codex Sinaiticus, and he did not have uh, the Vaticanus. He had other transcripts during that time. And so Jerome is the reason why we have a lot of the Bible today, because he wrote the Bible from the Greek and the Hebrew from the original into a Latin language. And then most of the Catholic Church or the church itself forever used the Latin Vulgate as their translation of the Bible. So from there, 
the Latin Vulgate was then translated into the King James Version, and that's where we got our English version from the Latin Vulgate. Most recently, within the 17th and 18th century, later on in life, that's when we got the Codex Sinaiticus, that's when we got the uh, the Vaticanus, and that's when we now started translating from those transcripts. That's where we get our ESV, some of our NASB, some of our newer transcripts that are more accurate to the most earliest transcripts that we have. Okay, Out of the most earliest transcripts that we have, most of them did not have this section of the Bible. <coughs> But what they were finding is that were they were there was writings of this on many of the transcripts on the side panels of it. So John eight one through eleven, there was a story that they were re relating to <clears throat> that reflected this story. wasn't all on all of them, but there was on some of them. And during the early years of the Bible, and it, it was oracle in their translation. So many, forever and ever and ever, they would always just speak the Bible. They would memorize the Bible, and they would speak it oracally. It, only in Jesus' time or during that time, it was right at that time where they started writing things down. When Egypt invented the papyrus, and they started doing it, and everybody started writing down books, and that's where we start getting our writing history is from that time. So... From that, that's where, um, so Jerome, which is one of our most earliest translators of, of our time, saw a lot of these particles or a lot of this book um, of John, this part of the book, They saw he saw it everywhere, and he felt that in context, it was, should have been part of the, the earliest manuscripts, but it wasn't in context. Well, we don't know why it wasn't in all of them. We just know that it was in a lot of them. But over time, they just basically, a lot of people just forgot about it because it wasn't, um, you know, wasn't, you know, you know, probably like a fought or whatever. They just expected, they accepted the Latin Vulgate. Hey, Jerome put it in there and so be it. But when John Calvin came in and he said that, no, I support this, I support John A. John Calvin, if you know John Calvin, he was a student of students. I mean, that guy knew everything. And he said, I don't see anything wrong with it because it gives context. It's, it's within what the, you know, how Jesus spoke is how the apostles spoke. And so he saw that it was okay. So fast forward to today, we have it in our Bible. Pastors are teaching it in our Bible. We feel that it's the word of God. We see it. We don't see it in out of context at all. And so, and then when you teach it, it teaches in context with what the Bible says. And so there you go. Long discussion, but that helps people understand now. John 8, whenever they go to it, they're going to know that's why it's in the Bible. That's why there's brackets there, right? Yeah. So, I mean, how many Christians or how many people have listening to this have heard that before? Probably not many. You know, and how many Christians have probably read John 8, 1 through 11 and never put it into context what that means, right? They just said, oh, it's in there, so we must trust them. Well, sometimes, I do don't know. Do your own homework. <laughs> so do you really think this happened, this was a conversation between Jesus and uh, the Pharisees and a woman? Do you really think that? It was in enough, it was in enough uh, manuscripts that Jerome felt that it should be in here. So, and he was in the third, fourth century or second, third, fourth century. I mean, it was, you know, I don't know exactly, but I know it was really, really early, you know, and understanding from, you know, Trevelyan and Polycarp and some of the early ones, if we went back and maybe he had access to the, the early disciples that were after John, um, maybe he knew more than what we know. I mean, based off of that, that's what we know. So he put it in there. 
So it must mean that there was relevancy during that time, and and there was enough I think that it made was it around 400 BC. Yeah, it was I mean, early AD. AD. Yeah, yeah, it was early. I think, and this is just my opinion. I think 100 percent this is a true story. Oh yeah. The the my the only question to me is was it in John's writing? What did yeah. you know? That's that's my only question. Yeah. I believe 100 percent this is a true story. Yeah, and, it, and it, it's in complete character of what what Jesus would say and what Jesus would do. And ultimately, it it draws us closer to the Lord. Yep. Ultimately, it shows us God's grace and mercy in context that we know God's grace and mercy to be. So yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, and it's it God also inspired. shows the attitude of the Pharisees. Yeah. They wanted to yeah. trip him up and to persecute him and and it definitely it definitely demonstrates that and it continues. Yeah. Yeah. So I, is, there's no doubt about it. Good stuff. Yeah. So that is a long introduction to yeah. our text today. Let's go for it. But you got context now. Yes. And and hopefully some of you learned something. Yeah. So now well, like what brackets? I didn't even know there were brackets in there. All right, let's read it. All right. Um, the last verse of seven says, they went each to his own house. Go to chapter eight. But, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. This is pretty normal stuff, right? This is yes. what he did. Yes. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. They said to him, teacher... This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Mm. All right. So once again, we see Jesus in conflict with the Jewish religious leaders. But this time they set a trap, hoping to get enough evidence to arrest him and get him out of the way. However, as we just read, their plot failed. What we witness in these verses is a contrast of Jesus' graciousness and the wickedness of people. Thoughts? Man, I am moved by the wisdom of Jesus. Mm. Yeah. I think we all would, you know, really, really like to know what he wrote in the dirt <laughs> but it probably could have been different for all of us you know it's something that was convicting of the pharisees something about something on the ground that they could read that definitely the holy spirit used to convict them of their own that's why they were unable to throw the stones mm. yeah i'm fascinated that he didn't say anything to him and i mean but i know his heart was grieved you just can tell in context, his heart's grieved and his heart has compassion for this lady. And, um, and then he just, he doesn't say anything, but he shows, he shows restraint here and he just starts writing and he's, and he's basically just saying, you know what, guys, I hated to do this to you, but you put me to it. You know, you made me do this. And he just started bringing it, you know, and then one by one, yeah, whatever it was, one by one. The Spirit of God or whatever that was moving at that moment, the Spirit of God, it was moving within God, convicted them, and they realized at that time they lost that battle. Yeah, they lost. 
Yeah. Bob's writing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining. Well, first of all, you know, don't try to don't try to out trick God or try to trick God. It's it's not gonna go well for you. I was just picturing what you guys are talking about, what he what he was writing. I'm like, what if he was writing things like well, the first thought was, what if he started writing other other women's names? You know, maybe you know, if some of them had been caught in adultery or, you know, they'd had, you know, affairs or whatever, starts writing their names. But then I'm like, this is what hit me. Pride. Envy. You know, he maybe just started writing their sins. I don't know. I think he put, I think he put worth to the lady too. Um, I, I just was thinking, oh, it's a, he's showing her value. He wasn't condemning her. He was showing her value by protecting her, by doing mm. this for her. I, I, I found this <clears throat> quote by William Temple. He said, my worth is what I am worth to God, and that is a marvelous great deal, for Christ died for me. Thus, incidentally, what gives to each of us his highest worth gives the same worth to everyone, and all that matters, most are we equal. And I think Jesus was basically saying, hey, she's my daughter. I value her, you know, and I have worth for her, and I'm protecting her from your guys' evil scheme. So, all right, Bob, you want to do the statement too? Yeah. The Feast of Tabernacles had ended, but Jesus took advantage of the opportunity to minister to the pilgrims that were still at the yeah, temple. Yeah, if they want to know about Feast of Tabernacle, go back to the last show, and we'll, we went in all the details about what the Feast of Tabernacle is. All right. During the feast, word had quickly spread that Jesus was not only attending, but also openly teaching in the temple. The scribes and Pharisees most likely knew where he would be and took advantage of the situation to get him. Was this a scheme? Would they really have caught would they really have caught a couple in the act of adultery? The law states in Leviticus twenty ten that both guilty parties should be stoned. Interesting that they only brought the woman, huh? Yeah, I don't I think a lot of people just read that, they don't even think that. You know, if if you know the Jewish law and you understand, you know, that part of the Old Testament, you know that this is a big deal. You know, so for them not to bring the guy, that's kind of like, well, what's going on? You know, is this, did this really happen? <laughs> you know, and then and the other part was, how, how did they catch her in the act? Did they actually bust in the door or something? I I don't know. That's just, or did they just know and they just like, ah, we're going to bring her and just see what he says. I don't know. You said it, Barry, they were using her. Yeah, uh, I, I really believe this was her profession. And I believe that... Um, you know, she had such little worth that that she had to. She felt like she had to use her body that way, and then and then here comes along these religious people are that bust in on her. They know who she is. Why haven't you bust in on me before? You know, this is this is what I do. You know, what? Why are y'all here? Y'all been here before. You know, probably using my services, and and that's how they knew about her. But you know, they're. This is a woman that feels like she has to use her body in an abusive way to to gain whatever she needs. And now the the religious leaders are using her to trap Jesus. And that's what it's all about. It, it's not that they want justice nope. or they're brokenhearted, this woman to sin, and, and she's causing others to sin, and, and we need to deal with the sin. No, it's it's all about their their justification of themselves and wanting to hurt the ministry of Jesus and they're trying to make him look bad. They're trying to catch him to say something bad about the law of Moses and, 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 you know, all that. And Jesus was such wisdom. And like you're saying, Pete and, and Bob, that with such love, he, he handles this situation by revealing their sin. Well, yeah. And I think that 
in the context, you know, is is somebody's married. So adultery for the in the Jewish uh, culture is somebody's married, and they're referencing that she's the one that's married, and then she's having an affair with another man in adultery. The way that they looked at it is if, you know, the Jewish leaders did not consider adultery if it was a man not married and a woman not married. They would not consider that adultery. So if she was a prostitute or if anything else, they would not see that as adultery. Adultery comes because one person is actually married. The Old Testament even talks about how a way that if the man says, hey, she's been unfaithful with another man, they talk about how they can find out if she's uh, been with another man and, and they did this weird act or so forth. So in this case... She, they're saying that she's married and that she was caught in the actual act of adultery. And so she is actually, so both of them are actually guilty of stoning to death. I mean, that's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That is the case. And uh, so we're just wondering is, you know, obviously it's a trick. Obviously they're trying to do, but it's kind of weird, you know, that they don't bring the guy. So if they're trying to be letters to the law, then they don't bring the guy, then there's something up here. Well, I think to Barry's point that they didn't really care about justice. No. They, just, they just wanted, they were looking for a way to stone Jesus. They didn't care yeah. about stoning this woman. Yeah. They wanted to stone Jesus. That kind of goes into our statement three. So do you want to? Yeah. The Jewish that, leaders, sure. of course, were trying to pin Jesus into a corner with the dilemma. If he said yes, then the woman must be stoned. Then what would happen to his reputation as friend of uh, publicans or sinners? The common people would no doubt abandon him and would never accept his gracious message of forgiveness. But if he said no, then the woman would not be stoned. Then he was openly breaking the law and subject to arrest. On more than one occasion, the religious leaders tried to create division with Jesus against Moses. And now they seem to have found the perfect challenge. Yeah, I mean, they they would go back always to Moses and the law, and they're, you know, they're trying to make this another law thing. And and Jesus knew and saw immediately, like, ah, I can see what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I mean, he... he it's so funny, because they're like, you know, we, we got him. We got him trapped. We, yeah. we, either one of these binary answers, and we got him. And Jesus is like... Yeah, but there's another answer. I wonder in context, <laughs> is this before or after Matthew 28, no, 22, Matthew or Mark 12, where it talks about taxes, remember? Yes, they I was tried, thinking the same thing. Yeah, I wonder if this is before or after. I don't know. We don't know. but Whose image is on the coin. Yeah. yeah. But obviously, he knows that this is their MO. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows that they're trying to trick him up. And Barry, you said at the beginning, God has wisdom. And that's the same thing testified to us. If we are put in a position like this or situation that someone's trying to trick us or somebody's trying to do something, our only answer is to get on our knees and ask God to give us yeah. wisdom and knowledge. And so that he was in tune with the Father. He knew the Father. The Father was speaking through him. He had wisdom in that very moment to deal with this. You were going to say something on that? Yeah, man. You know, <clears throat> again, we see the, the religious position of these Pharisees and Sadducees that they are pushing someone down using the law. We keep the law and that arrogance and that pride and judging others. And you know, that they, they are trying to get Jesus to do the same. They're trying to get Jesus to act out of character that your worth before God is based upon your performance. You, you break these laws, you are less than, and, and, uh, I think Jesus is saying this is the heart of the Father. Mm. If 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 you are repentant, if you understand the offense that this this brings before the Father, then 
you're forgiven and and the grace and 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 what i'm moved here is the mercy yeah the mercy of god here is Mm -hmm. just beautiful Mm -hmm. and so do four yes instead of passing judgment on the woman so good jesus passed judgment on the judges Mm -hmm. no doubt he was indignant on the way they treated this woman he was also concerned that such hypocrites should condemn another person and not judge themselves Mm. We do not know what he wrote on the dirt, but we do know it was the finger of God writing it. That's good. You know, I I just thought of, there's two different things. So one, I see that um, God's looking at the heart. So he didn't see the lady um, the way they saw him. He was looking for, he was looking at her heart. And so he immediately connected that way. And it made me think of first Samuel 16, seven, where it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on the, his appearance or in the height of his stature, because I have rejected him for the Lord sees not what man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So that was the first thing that I saw in that aspect when he was, when he looked at the lady, he wasn't looking at her as an adulterer. He just says, I see this girl broken before me right now. And then the other one, I, I thought of finger of God. And so I, I just thought of where did it say in the Bible about the finger of God? So Exodus thirty-one eighteen says, when he had finished speaking with them upon Mount Sinai, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written by the finger of God. And then Exodus 8, 19, it says, Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. And so those were kind of verses that popped out. And I'm thinking, okay, here's the finger of God. Right. Right. Babylon, doing something. Was in Babylon too? Um, that was Meta Meta Tauda. You're talking in Daniel? When the, when the hand was yeah, yeah, talking? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I guess we can associate that with the finger of God. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I love that bringing that in that Jesus' finger writing in the ground here so is cool. the finger of God. I love that, and it's very very powerful. Uh, you know, I, I believe that each man saw a different message. That's mm-hmm. my belief. Mm-hmm. I, I have nothing to to justify that, but I think each one of these men, because it was the finger of God, and just like how the word of God is living and how it means something specifically to me at different times, I believe that they saw a message on the ground that was from God that was directly saying, I have me from you. And, you know, I, I think that would definitely, but we don't know, but we know this, that, uh, Man is not the one that brings conviction conviction to man. It is God. Amen. And and we are not to judge each other. That that Jesus, the one who bled and died and spilt his blood and was beaten, cursed and accused, that he is the righteous judge, not us. And and uh, you know we've got to have law and order in the world. And and yeah, we we've got to hold people accountable to their actions, but we're not to judge. And w- if we spend all of our time loving people and doing what God has called us to do in loving people, he'll know that we're his disciples by the way we love one another. Then we don't have, we don't have any time to judge anybody Amen. else. Amen. Right, when did you say five? Yep. It was required by Jewish law that the accusers cast the first stone. See Deuteronomy seventeen seven. Jesus was not asking that sinless men judge the woman, 
for he was the only sinless person present. If our judges today had to be perfect, judicial benches would be empty. Yes. He was referring to a particular sin of the woman, a sin that can be committed in the heart as well as with the body. Convicted by their own consciences, consciences the accuser, accusers quietly left the scene, and Jesus was left alone with the woman. He forgave her and warned her to sin no more. Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about that a little bit in the in the prep, talking about go and sin no more. But again, it's Jesus was showing her compassion, and Jesus was showing the 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 Pharisees and the and the Sadducees. He was showing them mercy as well. I mean, because literally, I mean, he could have at any moment struck them or did something or something could have happened. I mean, he was just basically showing. You know, this is this is this is what it, this is how you're supposed to handle this properly, you know, and, and show compassion to her. I don't know, Barry. Thoughts on that? I kind of I have so many thoughts about yeah. this in my own life. Most <clears throat> of my life, I tried to live right and live for God because of duty. It's the right thing to do, but it's not enough motivation. It's my will trying to appease a, a holy God, and it. It doesn't happen. You know, what I think Jesus is saying here, go and sin no more, is first of all, he lavishes us with his love. Mm. And we're overwhelmed that that uh, that I've been spared. Jesus saved my life. This woman can give testimony. If it wasn't for Jesus, they would have killed me. Yep. They, w- they would have stoned me to death. But because of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I am alive. And, and what he's saying, you know, because you are overwhelmed with gratitude and love for me out of being forgiven and made righteous before holy God on my behalf, my, my blood is what made you righteous. Jesus says it is, it is the holy act of carrying the cross, being beaten, bruised and spat upon and cursed and, and spilling his blood that we're righteous understanding that the perpetuation of sin that we should live righteously in the world that we should live differently so you know you may be listening to this and you you're caught up in in dutiful living and it fails you it fails you but guys i really believe that when we choose to live differently because of our love for god that by definition is worship amen so, yeah. So, I mean, if if Jesus were to show this girl condemnation, which there is no condemnation in Christ, then he kind of loses loses his witness of the compassion that he has, and and the mercy, and the love, and the grace, because that's what he came. He came to show mercy and grace. And then the same thing with the the guys. I mean, he's still a just God, and so he's going. The justice and righteousness and truth is still going to happen. And so every, whenever it comes to Jesus, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see grace and mercy, and you're going to see justice. It's, it's, it is who he is. He's, he's holy. There's a standard that he sets. And, and so Jesus then shows compassion. So what Jesus is looking for is the heart. And we talked about this a little bit. He's, he's, if we're going into a situation and uh, we have a friend or we're befriending somebody that's a, that's a blatant sinner and that's caught in adultery or whatever we want to call it, and um, we immediately go in there and we just start wanting to condemn them. 
and to be like the Pharisees and say, oh my gosh, you're, you got caught, you're sin, you're this and so forth. We're not doing any good by that person. But if we go in there and show compassion, we show love, we, we're looking to see if the heart is there. Is there brokenness? Is there a, a, a possibility of a contrite spirit? Is there a, a, do, you, do you sense that they're truly wanting to be right or do the right thing or whatever that is? To go in there and to condemn them and start preaching to them, the wall says this and the Bible says this and you got to do this and you got to do that. We're just, we're hurting the person even worse. We're not doing any good. But if we go in there and we show them compassion and come alongside of them and actually love on them and wash their feet and show them mercy and grace as Jesus has shown this girl, there is a possibility that her eyes open. There is a possibility that this person will experience the unadulterated love that Christ gives. And there is a possibility that they might repent of their sins because of that. And if that happens, if that takes place, now you have the freedom to say go and send no more. So that's kind of what I see in context here. Bob? That's really good, Pete. I, I'm just, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this scene where everybody just like one by one walks off. It's almost like, I don't know what Jesus is writing. Maybe like you said the finger of God, maybe he's writing the 10 commandments. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but somehow I think these Pharisees, realized that they were no different than this woman and that's kind of why they walked away and as i read it i feel the same way like mm. i am this woman mm. without the grace of god yeah. without the grace of jesus then amen man you you're dead all right so statement six we kind of covered this a little bit so we'll go through it quick deuteronomy sixteen twenty says uh, that the judges in ancient Israel were to pursue justice and only justice. The religious authorities who brought the adulterous woman before Jesus didn't care about justice, for they went after the woman only and not the man that she was sleeping with. Well, as God's people, we must be concerned with justice, with making sure that the innocent are protected and the guilty held accountable. There's no doubt that us Christians have a role in politics. If, if, the, if people don't know the truth— then how, well, I mean, if we don't share the truth, if we don't share what the Bible says, we do it in a way that's loving and compassionate, then, you know, I mean, if someone is doing something to somebody that's wrong, child trafficking is not okay. You know, there's human trafficking, whatever you want to call it, it's not okay. There's certain things that are happening to people that is not okay. And so as people that are God-fearing and that low, that we need to protect those that need to be protected. And that's the way I see it. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> it's not loving to be untruthful, right? right. Or, or to not share truth. Right. All right. Um, number seven, we must not misinterpret this event to mean that Jesus was easy on sin or that he contradicted the law. In order for Jesus to forgive this woman, uh, it, it meant that he had to one day die for her and die for her sins. Forgiveness is not free, but it is, but it is not cheap. Yeah. Or is forgiveness free. is free, yeah. but it is not cheap. Thank you. Yeah, the basis that Jesus could give this woman grace is because the sin was absorbed, the wrath was absorbed. I hear your favorite verse coming. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) which is 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become his righteousness. Amen. You know, if if you meditate on that and you understand the principle that Jesus was not just excuse, he was not excusing the sin. 
he was taking the penalty of sin. And he was also willing to step in and take the penalty of her rocks and, and the rocks that these people were throwing. And, and they were actually throwing them at him, you yeah. know, and, you know, that is not uh, sweeping the sin underneath the rug. It's, it is meeting the, the justness of God through his blood and him stepping in for us. But yeah, forgiveness is free. And you're right. It is not cheap. And I, I love the way you worded this. And I'm going to read it again. In order for Jesus to forgive this woman, it meant that he had to one day die for her sins. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what he did. And that's what makes him the righteous judge. Yeah, it just blows my mind that he, he already he's forgiving these people of their sins, knowing what he's going to do. Yep. He's, he's already predicted that he's going to die and he's going to die for their sins. So it's it's like he's given them the forgiveness before the act has actually been done. It's kind of trippy to me. Well, it's been set in motion since Genesis, Pete. You know, we've talked well, about I know, that. Yeah, that's true. And in, in, in God, if you look at the Old Testament, God always looked for the broken and contrite spirit. So it wasn't the acts of works that he cared about. He didn't care about the bleeding of the goats, it would say. He can care less about that. He was looking for God-fearing people that were broken and humble and that looked to him as their Savior, that looked to him as their God, Yahweh. There's no other. And so that's the same here. So it's it, it, you're forgiven in that moment. God's looking at your heart. It doesn't matter about the works or anything else that you're doing. He's just looking for that. And so in this case, he can say you're forgiven of your sins, even though he has not been dead yet. Yeah, right. He hasn't <laughs> gone to the cross yet. All right. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law so that no one could justly accuse him of opposing its teachings or weakening its power. Mm. By applying the law to the woman and not to themselves, the Jewish leaders were violating both the letter and the spirit of the law. They thought they were defending Moses. Barry, any thoughts? Mm. It's crazy, though. So this is, again, one of those... I saw Perry thinking, so I thought I kept to talk talking. <laughs> no, no, that's you, all right. Okay, go yeah, ahead. My thoughts are this, you know, I was I was deep in the thought of these religious leaders needed to repent as much as this woman yes. did. Amen. And and that Jesus not only died for her, he def- he Amen. died for their religiosity yep. and for their their pride in thinking they were better than her. Yep. And Man, that was just kind of—I was just kind of caught in that thought that that just blows me away. Hmm. That um, the sin of pride and the sin of, of belittling others and thinking you're better than is just as bad as adultery, mm-hmm. and that it curse it, it calls Christ as much pain. And I—I I don't know—I just got caught up in that in in a moment. And and uh, yeah, they thought they were doing right because that's what they were taught by their their uh their teachers right that's what they saw in their teachers and and it was handed down to them that you know to be teachers of the law you have got to walk around piously judging others you know and so it goes the same with our churches today so i mean there's people in church they tithe they go to church every week we talk about this all the time they read their bibles they go to bible studies they go on the mission trips and all that and they feel like they're doing the letters of the law and they feel like, hey, I'm holy, I'm good, I'm doing this. But mm-hmm. they do not know Jesus. 
They are just like the Pharisees. They do not know the grace and mercy that God has. They do not have the compassion. They are there to throw a stone at you. They're there to ridicule you. They're there to pick out all your bad parts. And uh, so it's the same in our churches today. Religion sucks. It sucks. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Hey, I want, I want to ask you guys to answer this question for me because I really want to hear what you got to say. If I'm, if I'm listening to this podcast and, and, you know, I'm trying to walk with God, I'm trying to live for God, how, how, how can I know that I have this pharisaical attitude? How can I know? How do you know that you had the first? Say it again. Pharisaical Barry. attitude. The first, yeah, 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 this judgmental pharisaical attitude. When I attend church, when I, I I'm trying to do the right things, but how do I know I'm I'm religious versus I really authentically have a relationship with God? How can I know that? Well, for me, it's like, does my sin bother me? I mean, am I? In other words. Am I broken? Am I, you know, in a, in a place of worship? Um, you know what I noticed? And I don't, and this really hit me hard um, Sunday, Barry. So I'm glad you kind of brought this up. Man, I don't want to. I don't want to be in a point where I'm worshiping, and I'm not brought to tears. I mean, I've, I'm like, I can remember years and years where it was just, I was like going through the motions. You know, like like Pete was just saying, I was just, you know, I I, I was checking the boxes i was doing the steps i was singing the songs i was reading the bible but it didn't mean anything to me right it was just hey i'm i'm good i'm doing this until you're just broken in front and before the creator and and when you're broken or at least for me when i'm broken and it's not i'm not trying to build my kingdom i'm just trying to worship the creator and when i'm doing that man it's it's a whole nother level i mean it's I don't know how to put it's hard to even put into words but it's like everything else doesn't matter anymore all you see is and not the cross but you see i don't i'm not explaining this well well but I, ahead, I can help. help a little bit so two two things what is jesus telling you today so if you can't answer that question then you don't know him because jesus is talking to you every day you have fellowship with the father the father's going to talk to you you're going to know the father so that's number one number two when circumstances happen in your life mm. Do you smell like a skunk or That's do you smell so like good. roses? So if circumstances happen in your life, how do you respond? How do you respond? Are you Explain to that a little it? bit more. So if you're if if something is happening in your life that goes against what you're doing, are you trying to control the situation? Are you trying to fix it? Are you trying to figure out what to do? Are you trying to control people in your life? Are you trying to control other people? Like if someone says something to you, how do you respond? Yes. How are you how are you dealing with the circumstance? If you're surrendering to the Lord, you're letting go and you're letting him handle it, then you have a relationship because you trust him. You know him. He's going to work all things out to, together for good for those are common purposes. But I always say, do you smell like a skunk or do you come out from smell like roses? Yeah. That's that's a real tall tale sign if there's religion in you or if you have a true relationship with the Lord. And the other one is, what is he saying to you? If you can't say what he's talking to you about, right. then you don't know him, period. So that's Yeah, I think another way to say that, the skunk part is just, you know, when... When things don't go the way that you expect them to go, how, what's your response look like? You know, does that? Do you get angry? Do you get? That's you know. That's that's that, how that you can will, tell if you're religion you. or so if good. you're walking with the Lord. So, you know, I I think I would just add this: if you're broke, like you said, Bob and and Pete, if you're broken over your own sin, and and if you're you, know, when you see other people, are you broken over their sin? In the fact that you are 
are broken, that they are hurting, they're they're struggling, and that their relationship with God is is not what it could be. Yeah. If you want, if you genuinely have a a heart to restore them and see them restored, or do you have a heart to see them judged and and Ooh. put away? I think because see, it is not God's heart that anyone would perish. He wants everyone to experience his love, a relationship with him and experience him for all of eternity. And, and his, one of his dying breaths, father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, I think Barry, you nailed it. I mean, if they're, if they know the father, they're going to act like the father. If, (laughs) if, if they're, if they're spending time with Jesus, Jesus is going to talk to them and they're going to start acting like Jesus. I mean, they're going to show compassion and love and grace and mercy. They're going to show long suffering. They're going to show the fruit of the spirit. And, uh, and you know, it's, there's going to be a consistency in that as well. You know, it's not going to be a roller coaster ride. There's going to be a consistency. So if people know you, they, they'll know you by that. But a lot of times we have a mask on. We go to church, we have a mask on. Oh, look at me, I'm licensed nice smiley. But you get home and the wife's like, uh-huh. or he's a drunk, or he's this, or he's that, or he's that. Well, there's a religion there. That's how we can tell right away. There's a there's an inconsistency in the pattern of how they're living. You know, we should be the exact same as in, in our home as we are out in public. There should right. be no different. And so our family should know us just as just the same as the people outside of us house should know us. All right. All right. We, we got two more and they're, and they're kind of related. So we'll go through them kind of quick. The law was given to reveal sin. Romans 320. We must not, uh, we must be condemned by the law before we can be cleansed by God's grace. Amen. Law and grace do not compete with each other. They complement each other. Nobody is ever saved. Nobody is ever saved by keeping the law. That's key. Yeah. Nobody was ever saved by keeping the law, but nobody was ever saved by grace who was not first indicted by the law. Amen. There must be conviction before there can be conversion. Yeah, I mean, I think let's just close it with this, Bob. So, I mean, uh, Barry, that's that just speaks to anybody that's listening to us today. If if there is a conviction, so you're listening to us and you were convicted, maybe you are a religious person. Maybe you have a pharisaical mindset. And if you were convicted on that, then you can repent of that today. And you could say, God, I want to change that. I don't want to have that attitude. Well, if that's your heart, God says a broken and contrite spirit can come humbly and boldly before the throne of God and that God will hear it. But you must be saved. You must be surrendered to God. Um, and if that is you, you can do that today. Bob, Barry, why don't you speak to those people and, and talk to them? Yeah, that's that's the truth. If you're here listening to this I, this podcast and you're under conviction, I, I want you to ask yourself the question, where am I at in this story? Am I the one with a stone in my hand or am I the one that the stones are aimed at? Regardless, if you are under conviction, repent. And repentance in our society and asking for forgiveness is is noted as a negative thing, but it's not. It is a beautiful thing. When you say to God, I've I've offended you, and I want to say I'm sorry. And when you realize that arrogance took the and nailed Jesus to the cross as much as adultery, and that we all have sinned and fallen short, and that it is our sin that made Jesus die, and we own that, and we 
are broken over that, it changes us. It transforms us. And we cry out, Abba, Father. And we ask God, please forgive us and please take over our life and help us to be a new person and, and save us. And if that's you, if you're fallen under the conviction of God, say these words. God, I love you. I know that you created me for the love that you have for me. And God, I, I do not want your wrath. I want your forgiveness. So I say, I'm sorry. And I admit that the only way to forgiveness is not by my, my performance or anything that I could do, but I claim totally the righteous blood of Jesus when he spilt it on the cross called Calvary. And Lord, I believe that he died, he was, he was buried, and he rose again. And so Jesus, you are the Savior, you are the Messiah, and you are the only way to heaven and to forgiveness. And I ask that you would come into my life and save me now and forgive me now and help me to grow and become what you created me to be as your son, as your daughter, and as as a part of your family, I'm overwhelmed. And I just want to serve you and love you the rest of my life. Help me to do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Wow, that was awesome. We would love to hear from you. If you give your life to the Lord or repented, you can f go to riotpodcast.co, C-O, and uh, just go to Know God and click on that button. And then at the bottom, you can say, I gave my life to the Lord. Fill that out. We would be in con get in contact with you, uh, get you some material that you need to get started, and also maybe connect you with a church that's there. But you know, Bob, you know, sinning doesn't mean uh, that we can continue to sin because of God's forgiveness and grace, does it? No. So we got to just, uh, once, what's the Bible say on that? Do you remember? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to stop you guys from putting me on the spot. You know it. You just don't, it doesn't, you, you know the answer to that. But what does it say? Romans 6, 2 says, shall we then continue to sin that grace may abound? Paul replies with a resounding, God forbid. I don't even think that's what he said. I think he said, hell no. No. <laughs> <laughs> But Sorry. once we give our lives to the Lord and we experience what this lady experienced, how do you continue to sin? When you experience the compassion, the mercy and grace that God has given you. Amen. When you what, have tasted that the Lord is good. How do you continue to sin? How do you continue to live that lifestyle? Anyway, Bob, thoughts? You won't. You won't. And that's why you know, people trying to just change behaviors and then come to Christ doesn't work, right? It's backwards. Yeah. Guys, if you're watching us on YouTube, click that subscribe button. Click the little bell so you get notified. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast, jump onto our Facebook page. We want to hear your ideas of what to do for that 100th show. So it can be funny. It could be, you know, whatever. It, it could be serious. But uh, share some ideas with us on, on what we should do for the 100th show, whether it be topic or location or, you know, anything else you can think of. You guys are smarter than we are. So let us know. <laughs> Uh, we just really appreciate you guys. Um, Barry, Pete, always a pleasure having you on the show, except for when you put me on the spot. Uh, the rest of the time, it's a, it's a, it's a good time. But this is this is this is just an amazing um, part of uh, of the Bible that is just applicable to every one of us, right? We're we're all that that woman that you know that got caught, right? And uh, man, if not for the grace of God, you amen. Know, 
So let's just, uh, man, let's remember that, go throughout this week, and uh, man, just have an amazing, amazing week of worship. Love you guys. Um, just honored that you guys listen to the podcast. Cool. Thank you so much. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you're no, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Pastors, thank you for listening. Amen. People who are serving God, thank you for listening and being a part of our podcast. And we do it to help you. God bless you. Be blessed. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.